Blog Talk Radio. It's a gridiron stud show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. going to serve some toast here on the show today. It's Monday. What's today's date? It's October 12th. It's 2015. We are six weeks into the college football season. Are we six? Five? Man, we're, we're getting six. deep we're in six. there. Yeah, we're getting deep. Six, we're getting deep. Yeah, six weeks deep into the college football season. And uh, welcome to the college football edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino here with you. And we're going to talk college football, college football, and more college football here for the greater part of the next hour. And we encourage you to call into today's show because, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that went down in college football this weekend. And we all have favorite teams, and they either won or didn't win or did something stupid or had something bad happen because that's what goes on. So feel free to let loose, offer your opinion, debate hours, uh, ask a question, whatever you want to do here. On the Gridiron Stud Show this Monday, the number to call is 347-633-9365. Don't be scared. Call us up and let us know how you feel. Whether you're you calling saw out, some college football this weekend, didn't you? You were, you were on a little road trip. I did. I took a little road trip. Went out to Missouri uh, to go watch the Florida Gators take on the Missouri Tigers. Needed to get a huge monkey off of their back there, and they did that in a suffocating fashion. So they go out there and win the game 21-3. to That was that was big for them because many looked at this as a sandwich game, um, yourself included. I um, did. I don't blame you for doing that. Um, when you sandwich a game in against Missouri in between a big win over Ole Miss, the number three ranked team in the country at the time, and an appending game against LSU on the road at night, um, you know, Missouri had all the looks of, of a hoagie. And yeah, so, they did. They um, really did. Yeah, good to see them go out there and, and handle their business. Um, I go out there with my brother, uh, Danny, who has called the show before. and uh, Never as Danny, though, by the way. No, um, he's been Thomas but, Jefferson, but, a lot of different people, it, but never Danny. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> all kind of all kind of crazy names. Um, but, listen, a, a funny thing goes on there. We're, we're at a Cracker Barrel, and a guy introduces himself to us. And he is the – listen, I've run into some – Diehard betters, um, mm-hmm. you know I don't like using the word degenerate, um, but this this guy runs into us and um, introduces himself, and then it somehow his discussion quickly turns to betting. And I'm when I'm telling you, this guy bets on everything. He bets on everything. And everything. Just to give you an idea, everything. The man talked about betting the first half of the game and. That his daughter goes to Missouri, but hey, don't tell her though. Uh, I've got Florida for the first half, and then you know, um, and, and, and I think they're minus three, and I got them there. And just starts telling us about all the bets that he's lost and that he's won, and that starts talking about previous bets. And then, you know, I tell him my son's on the team. Then he asks me why I don't bet, sir. 
I mean, it's pretty obvious. Did you hear what I just <laughs> said? My son is on the team. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, we. You, you want me to run around betting on uh, uh, college football games? You want me to bet on Florida Gators football games? He thought I was a pussy for not betting. Right. He's saying. He's saying. Well, what football. do you mean? You're, you're getting inside information. You know. You, you, uh, yes, and that's why I don't Un- do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, man. Um, unbelievable. But bless his heart, man. The guy wanted to bet on everything. So we this discussion that he had with myself and my brother uh, occurred outside of Cracker Barrel. Uh, we go inside the Cracker Barrel. We go to our seats. He goes to his. Then he comes back over and um, says, um, uh, "What was? Well, I forget what the bet was. Uh, is, is your son number number six, or, or is he is he number number five? Number number six. Oh, oh, I owe my buddy a beer then. Uh, I I I was saying he was number five. Like, Good <laughs> grief, man! <laughs> what did he bet on your kid's number. <laughs> oh my God! The guy bets a beer on that. Then I thought you were um, going to tell me he got future action on on if he picked <laughs> off a pass or something. <laughs> no, no, man. And we're at Crack a Barrel, and it's the morning. Okay, he's betting beers in the morning. It's nine something, ten o'clock in the morning. He's betting beers over there with his buddy over something. Oh, that's great. Uh, like a phone number. Oh, it doesn't end there. He got my brother's number because the guy's also from L.A. and my brother's from L.A. So, you know, God help my brother on that one. But nevertheless, during the game, during the game, he's sending betting advice to my brother unsolicited. Uh, you got unsolicited betting put, advice. Put, so this yeah, is a guy he just met at a Cracker Barrel. <laughs> And he's given him unsolicited. Put a grand on Florida, second half. You can't lose. (laughs) I was like, did we meet? Hey, wait, he was right, though, wasn't he? No, no, I don't. Well, did he? Yeah, what was the score in the second half? Yeah, apparently, yeah, because they did did get the interception by Tabor for a touchdown. Yeah. But he was, dude was right. Dude was right, no doubt about it. Then, um, I swear to you now, I don't know how this happened. Game's over. There's a ton. There's a bunch of restaurants, as you would imagine, in a college town. Sure. Uh, after the after the game, brother and I go to Fridays. Who walks in? Lo and behold, it's this guy. So. Oh my God. This, Where was your wife during all this? The, by the way, she went. The no, game, she didn't she? go with us. I went by myself. Oh. It was just me and my brother. You know. So, um, he comes by, peppers us with some more betting advice, and then he's uh, he's telling me the line next week's going to be LSU minus nine and a half against Florida. I said, you're out of your mind. It's not going to be nine and a half. Are you crazy? I said, I'm thinking more five and a half. No, no, it's got to be got to be nine and a half. Definitely going to be nine and a half, somewhere around there. Um, he hasn't been so watching I mean, LSU games lately, though. I mean, LSU can't I don't stop know anybody. What, I, yeah, I don't know what he's on. So I get back home then to try and wrap the story up here. Uh, we get back home. I'm home. Um, I see the line is LSU minus four and a half next week. So I text my brother and say, look, uh, I, with laughing faces, I should have bet that guy at Friday's. Because uh, the line's the line's four and a half, not nine and a half. I was closer. So he, he'd be bringing you a case bro- of beer over to your hotel room. Hey, buddy, oh I'm sorry, I was wrong about the line. <laughs> my brother, being the person that he is, texts the guy and said, "See, the line's four and a half, not nine and a half." My brother was right. The guy texts back, "Well, your brother should have made a bet. Then he's a pussy. <laughs> he's got no heart. Your brother's got no heart. He should have bet me about the line." This is the most bettingest guy I've ever met. In my oh life. my he gosh. Made- <laughs> That's he great. made the trip. Extra I'm glad fun, you're happy so, uh, because you know I started this day. I'm I'm just not happy. 
Whoa, whoa! Before well, I do want to, I do want to honor the majority of my audience here. I believe me, we're going to get to the Sark situation. There's no way we're not. No, getting- Sark is different. I'm just not happy. I'm not happy about sports in general. What what is this anymore? We got sports writers. Sports writers. Mm-hmm. Most of these guys stopped playing sports when they were like 11. Their mom or dad said, "Listen." You're, you're assuming not, they played sports. Is that what you're doing? You're assuming I'm even, they I'm gonna actually give them the participated. Fact, yes, I'm going to figure they tried Little League Baseball, and when they couldn't hit it, mom or dad said, listen, do yourself a favor. Get in the band, mm-hmm. and when you're older, you can write about sports. That'll be your entry into participating in it. Because mm. some of the things that I hear between football and now baseball, we got it going on at the same time, which I love this time of year. Okay, I mean, for those of you who don't follow baseball, there was a play in the – uh, Dodgers-Mets game where uh, double play, Chase Utley, you know, breaks up the double play. His left hand goes over the base. He barrel rolls the guy. He slides late, but he goes over the base. He wasn't out of the baseline, nowhere near what Matt Holliday did three years ago, okay? Mm-hmm. Guy flips, unfortunately, breaks his fibula. Now, here we go in our society with our results-based thinking. In other words, mm-hmm. if he flips the guy and the guy gets up, dusts himself off, that's just baseball. But because the guy happened right. to break his fibula, now, all of a sudden, we need rules changes, okay? Because, mm-hmm. my God, we, you know, we can't have this, okay? For, Chad, you might remember this. You were probably a little young for this. But in 1977, you guys can find this on YouTube, Hal McRae and the mm-hmm. ALCS put Willie Randolph in, literally in left field with a takeout slide. McRae whoa, whoa, basically... Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Time out. I got to throw a flag on the play, okay? First of all, I was born in 72. Second of all... I was born in, in in the great state of Brooklyn, and I'm telling you above anything else, I'm talking Miami Hurricanes, I'm talking L.A. Rams that I rooted for when I was a kid, anything, I am a Yankee fan. So, mm-hmm. of course I know what McRae did to Randall. Yes. I, of course I know. Yeah, McRae basically landed near Bucky Dent, where Bucky Dent would play, because he slid through second. <laughs> he knocked Randolph into left field, okay, and and they all ended up near the shortstop, and it was just like, hey, that's, you know, he break up a double play. Now, Utley's slide was nowhere near that. It wasn't even near what Matt Halliday did three years ago in the in the mm. uh, playoffs, going four mm. feet wide to second base. But all of a sudden, mm. we have sports writers that we needed to get, Buster only, we need to get rid of the takeout slide. How, how do we do oh, that? Oh, yeah, I know. It's just ridiculous, and I, we see this every week. With with college football, NFL football, they just I'm to the point where I'm that I'm I'm turning into that old man that's yelling at the TV screen. Well, damn it, man, let's just let's just put flags on these guys for crying well, out loud. It, you it know, is here's ridiculous. The, here's the thing of it. I, I usually seed on stuff like this. What I try to do is I get you know obviously something like Saturday falls on both sides of the fence for fans. So take fans out of it. I'm a Dodger fan. I think it's a hard-nosed play. Met fan doesn't like it. If you flip the whole thing and David Wright did that to Corey Seager, Met fan would say that's just good hard-nosed baseball. Dodger fan would be crying that Seager's hurt. I get the fan part of it. So I try to listen to players. Okay? And it's, it, you know, there's guys who are saying one thing or another, but here's the thing. Cal Ripken Jr. doing the game. Played the position. Hall of Famer. No problem with it. Craig Biggio played second base. No problem with it. Shane Victorino. No problem. I mean... There's guys who have a problem, some. I'm not going to say it's all one-sided. It certainly isn't. But what I'm trying to say is this is just 
playoff baseball. Like you said, football, we see the same thing. We have a Buster Posey rule for you baseball fans out there because Buster Posey decided to incorrectly block home plate. We have a rule for him now. Yeah. It's just it's craziness. I'm I'm done. Football, I I, we're going to have flags. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. They just want to just soften up every sport that there is. And, and now um, I get it. The NFL was sued. You got concussion protocols. Uh, so John Beeson's out of a game last night. Uh, probably wouldn't have happened in the past. I, you know, I'm I'm kind of iffy on that one. If if it, you know, we're talking about guys having long-term effects, but we may be going too far on that. Um, to your discussion, Pete Rose did bring up something about that slide where the guy got hit in the head, right? Um, right. And and Pete Rose had something to say about it. Do guys understand what's at stake here? Um, and you know, I, I didn't think. I didn't think the guy should have been out of the game, but nevertheless, he is out of the game, and we've got a whole bunch of that going on. I got to tell you that targeting rule that we've got in college oh football my God. absolutely it's, it's, positively it's sucks. I'm so sick of it, and I've seen a couple of very iffy. I mean, you didn't do anything to hurt this guy, all right? Nothing, nothing that would have hurt. And if a guy gets hurt off of that, it's ridiculous, and they're throwing guys out of the game. Well, Chad, uh, a guy it's being, got thrown based, out Thursday it's being night. based not on the intent. They're saying it's the, they're basing it on the results. If the hit looks bad, then they then they, I mean, in other words, they're saying, "Ooh, it looked bad." But my whole thing is this: I'm not advocating. Try, believe me, I'm not trying to sound like some jackwad who wants to see guys get hurt playing sports. I just don't. I mean, that's not my nature. I, I I hate. I don't want guys on either team getting injured. But in sports. When we play these games with large, fast men, all these professional mm-hmm. sports, injuries will occur. It's just—it's mm-hmm. an inherent risk. It's like saying, "I want to go to a yeah." They want to stop any and every possible injury from happening. It's—it's—it's it, it's, it's putting your kid in a full body armored suit when he goes out on a skateboard. You're, like if you let these people do it, your kid will go out dressed like a knight in shining armor when he goes out on a skateboard because he might fall off. Right. The liability involved. It's ridiculous. It's our society. It's what we've got going on. And, uh, look, we can shout to the mountaintop, but uh, I really, really desperately want to see that targeting rule eliminated because it's ridiculous. It could change games. Well, you've already and, penalized the, the guy, referee. right? If you've penalized the guy the 15 yards for the penalty. Yeah, why is that not enough? Why, why is, is it not, not enough? enough? I mean, what, at what point insane. are we just – like, like I'm a, you know, you know me as a cowboy fan, right? Should we have a rule now because my quarterback got hurt trying to recover a fumble? If the quarterback goes to the ground in an attempt to recover a fumble, everyone must get away from him so he does not get injured. How about we yeah, do that? Uh, it's- it's I know it's crazy. We're gonna to have to leave it there because we've got so much to get to today, and uh, just a couple of the things we're gonna be talking about here coming up right now. We're gonna talk about the big Miami versus FSU game. It, it was a thriller. Didn't work out the way the Canes fans would like it. Uh, we're gonna talk about that. We got to talk about Steve Sarkeesian and the USC story that we've got that keeps developing and moving and is ever changing. And it's a uh, uh, what what's what was the, the guy at ESPN used to say? It's a developing situation. Uh, we got to talk about. Nick Chubb and the Georgia Bulldogs going forward. Uh, Florida surge as they continue to win. Michigan on the move. Two teams that have changed their coaches this year, way ahead of schedule. We got to talk about Cal's Jared Goff. We got to touch on him. Uh, many calling him the best pro prospect, but do we need to revisit that? Uh, we got to talk about Charlie Strong in Texas getting a big win, and then we got to talk about something known as Clemsoning. 
We're going to talk about that and more on the show today. But let's talk Miami and Florida State. Uh, Emil, I, I didn't get a chance to watch the entire football game, but from what I could, what I was able to watch, some of what I was able to watch, and from what I've been hearing, and a look at the stat line, it looked like the same old story. Um, we had Florida State on the ropes as we did last year. Uh, we looked like we did some really good things on offense, but at the end of the day, we just couldn't stop the other side. Dalvin Cook runs for 220 yards on half a hamstring, averages 10, 10 yards a carry, Emil. 10 yards oh, a carry. Oh, listen, I saw a good three quarters of this game. I was very interested in it. It was a really good college football game, but what you're saying is basically spot on. I mean, when they needed a stop at the end of the, at the, end of the night, when they needed a stop, Miami couldn't get it. And, you know, people like to look at stats in, in football, and I've always said this on our show. What I tend to look at, first and foremost, I like to look at rushing yards, especially in a close ball game, you know, because obviously if a team catches up from way behind, that may be skewed. But in this game, it was back and forth. Um, when you say Florida State runs the ball 36 times for 248 yards, that's 6.9 yards. Miami, 19 rushing attempts for 20 yards. That's your ball game right there. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much that's that's what it was. Ten point, I, I can't get over that. 10.1 yards a carry. Uh, within the first, what, five, six minutes of this game, Cook had found the end zone twice and had amassed uh, 100-plus yards from scrimmage. It, it's 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 crazy. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to do. Uh, people are up in arms about it. But, but I don't think it's Al Golden what, this time. I'm not going to say I'm going to give Al Golden a pass for everything he's done there. I mean, because, again, mm-hmm. again, I'm not endorsing him as staying on his coach. But what I am saying is this was just a game to me where it's evident at this point in time Miami doesn't necessarily have everything they need in the trenches on both sides of the ball. What? what, what what are they missing? Emil, this Florida State team scored 14 points against Boston College. They struggled to, to they struggle to get anything going against Wake Forest. Emil, in this game against Miami, they put up 535 yards of offense. 535 yards of offense. Yeah, they ran the hell out the ball. You know what? They threw the hell out the ball. Too. I know. Every listen, you're, you're over my pay grade if you want me to tell you if it's scheme. If it, Listen, if, if you want to give me facts that you know or somebody out there does that says, listen, it's not talent, it's scheme, I'll listen to them. But all I'm telling you is I see two numbers in front of me. One team ran the ball for 1.1 yards, which tells me their their offensive line isn't moving anybody. The other team ran mm-hmm. it for 6.9 yards, which tells me their defensive line and linebackers are getting beat up pretty good. So I don't know what to tell you. If you're saying, hey, it's scheme, they could do this, this, and this, I'll listen to you because you're going to know more about that than me. But on the surface, it says to me that we, we've got we've got issues in both places, and I'm going to start maybe it's just well, well, listen, we'll time out. Forget about all that. For, forget about that. You're going to tell me at the University of Miami, Forget that. Listen, don't worry about that. You never coached a game of football. You don't know scheme. Are you going to tell me that personnel-wise, we don't have enough personnel to stop a team from getting 535 yards of total offense? Everett Golson was 25 of 33 for 291 yards. Everett Golson. No, listen, I'm. That personnel. What happened? What has happened? No, I'm listen. I can't I'm believe with, that. Listen, 
Florida State shouldn't be getting 539 yards of offense against Wake Forest. Oh wait, they didn't. So I get your point. <laughs> it's a I can't I don't understand it. I don't yeah. understand it. And we got well listen, that's that session we're going to have tomorrow with Warren Sapp. And fans, you definitely got to tune in to Tuesday's shows. Uh we're going to have straight talk with Warren Sapp and you best believe we're going to touch on this. Uh absolutely going to touch on it and I'm very interested in hearing his comments on that. Um, well, the know, good thing with him is he can actually give us, you know, I, I know, he, you know, from now talking to him and what you've told me, and he watches this stuff. So I'll be interested to hear what his take is on their, the, the, you know, their their front seven on defense. Is it scheme? Is it just, hey, these guys are you know, not going to Oh, the questions it. are going to be asked, and the answers are going to be given if you know Warren Sapp. You best believe that. So we will be talking about that. But, Emil, can I tell you again? 22 carries, 222 yards, 10.1 yards of friggin' carry. Hey, it totally overshadowed. It totally overshadowed an amazing passing performance by Brad Kaya, by the way, who I've come out and said is the best quarterback in the ACC. And if anyone wants to debate that with me, you can call me up on the show right now. Three four seven six three three nine three six five. Here's a stat line on Kaya. 29 of 49 for 405 yards, three touchdowns. Now, Miami should be embarrassed about what, what what they did on defense. Florida State needs to be called to the carpet for allowing 405 yards of passing. Well, wait, why do I you mean, want to stop? Why do you want to stop with the ACC? I mean, uh, maybe he's the best quarterback in the country, though. He very well might be. He very well might be because Jared Goff was handing out early Christmas presents I mean, it was Halloween. Like, it was dig your hand in a bowl and grab all the Tootsie Rolls you can. And yeah, did I tell you one landed in my up. living room on Saturday. I picked him off in the third quarter. I'm going to check my mailbox to <laughs> see if there's a football from Jared Goff in there because he was just passing them out. That's five interceptions. I think he has 17 on the season. I might be wrong on that. But, hey, we might be able to make that case for Kaya being the best. You know what's interesting to me, Emil? It's that in this passing era where we've got people putting up stupid, crazy numbers, all right? I haven't uh-huh. jumped into the Big 12s, uh, what they did on Saturday. I don't I don't know if anyone amassed 1,000 yards of offense, but I'm sure they did. Uh, in this era where we're throwing the ball all over the place, right now I don't I can't really think of someone, a quarterback, I say, if I'm an NFL team, I gotta have this kid right now. I gotta have this kid coming out in this class this year. I well, can't it's funny. It's funny you say that because I was just saying that the other day to somebody because I think it's had the opposite effect. Um, because we've made it so easy to throw the ball over the place in college football, these guys come out and you know they're playing games where guys are running free and they're you know the throws are easy. They get to the NFL where the best of the best are playing, and they're just not ready for it. I mean, I talked a little bit on Friday's show after we were hammering my Trojans, and, I mean, what I saw from Cody Kessler tells me that this, this – I mean, I'm not even overreacting here. What I saw, he's not even draftable based on arm strength, size. I mean, if there's not a huge window, he can't get the ball with somebody. I mean, these guys are not – they're not NFL ready, man. No, not, they're not even not, close. They're, they're, yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not NFL ready. They're They're – they, like they said, they don't have pocket presence. It's catch the ball and throw bubble screens. You're not throwing bubble screens in the end. Anyone, anyone ever just really realize that? Some of you novice fans out there, you're not, you're not deep into the schematics of football like I am because I coach it. But anyone out there care to wonder why you don't see bubble screens in, in NFL football? Well, for Because a you're seeing a ton of them. 
In college, well, first of all, there's two things. The the rules are a little bit different, I mean, as far as blocking it, but more importantly, the athletes and defense make it a little bit harder. Yeah, I mean, if you want to lose a guy's life, um, throw some bubble screens. I mean, ask Reggie Bush. Remember how he got greeted into the NFL? Um, So it's amazing that you just don't have that. I guess it's going to be Boykin. Um, he's going to be a guy that people want to talk about. Maybe Brandon Dowdy, who keeps putting up great numbers over there at, at uh, Western Kentucky, but that's not necessarily a pro system, so now he's going to have to adapt to something else. Um, people thought maybe Chad Kelly might be it, but, you know. They talked a little bit about Cook, defense. the kid at Michigan State. I know he's been mentioned by a few different, uh, you know, people. Yeah, have... people have been talking about Connor Cook. Um, but they're looking but at size, really. They're not looking at, you know, if, if you start breaking down – and watching these games and watching these kids and the offenses they're playing in, as, as you're saying, and and what they're doing in games, and you watch things that the NFL is looking for, like are they going through progressions? Does the team have a route tree? I mean, most of the stuff that's going on there, I mean, it's it's really not NFL stuff. It, so it doesn't it doesn't apply to the game. I'm just shocked by that. I mean, we got guys at this point in the season. Uh, we're a little bit halfway through. Some guys aren't even halfway through. Have five or six games left. You've got what four or five guys that have thrown for two thousand yards already. But it's, oh, it's, yeah. the, it's the passing area. They've got twenty touchdowns already. None of these guys are say. I, I can't think of any of these guys that say, "Hey, that's an NFL quarterback right now." All right, we we got to have. Well, that but let me say this. I think it's also uh, there's there's a shift of philosophy among coaches, and I'm glad to see a guy like Harbaugh, as goofy as Harbaugh is. He comes back to the college game, and he does what what we were talking about on Friday a little bit in our discussion with what Pete Carroll did. Harbaugh looks around, and he says to himself, well, that's real nice, Baylor. I'm glad you're going to score 60-some points, but you won't be doing it when you're playing the University of Michigan. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we're going to punch you in the mouth. We're going to wear you down. We're going to use stuff that they use in the National Football League, like fullbacks and tight ends and stuff like that, and it's just not going to be uh, a whole flag football seven-on-seven air-it-out league. We're not doing that, even though that's what people think you know needs to be going on. Um, but we're going, to, we're going to come at you because this game we play with helmets and shoulder pads. We're going to get physical with you. But when I'm looking at it and I look at Brad Kaya, and trust me, I'm not just looking at the numbers. I'm not just looking that he put up 405 yards against Florida State, who was supposed to have a good defense. Defense and but you know really they do. Um, I'm looking at what the guy's doing. I'm seeing him standing in the pocket. I'm seeing yep. him having a little bit of pocket awareness. I'm seeing him go through progressions. I'm seeing him put a muscle into a throw. I'm seeing him put air under a ball. He can make all the throws that are out there. And he, and in his second year, there's a there's an awareness there that's intriguing to me on an NFL level. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. Well, but I just want to blame him for that loss on Saturday. Night I think too, to your point though. There's a couple things. Most of these college teams, let's start where you said, fullback and tight end. The fullbacks are, are barely ever used. Okay, I mean, at least the games I'm watching. I must. If, if you have teams that are using a lot of fullback, please let me know, other than Michigan. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you don't see many fullbacks. The tight ends, what they do is they take the biggest wide receiver they recruit. The kid is 6'4", 6'5", and, and he comes in at 220. They throw 15 pounds on him. They say, you line up here like a tight end, but the kid's running patterns all day. He, I mean, right. Yeah, not maybe blocking ch- anyone. No, maybe he chips he the defensive the bu- end. Oh, he blocks on the bubble screen. Oh, my bad. Right, he blocks on the bubble screen, and he chips the defensive end on his way into a pattern. That's about it. Um, so you got that. Then the thing we talked about that drives me you know, nuts, the schools that recruit the best athletes, 
where they have a chance of a kid can, can be good at several positions. Invariably, they stick them all on offense. Mm-hmm. Or it seems that way. Yeah, at least in the, the of SEC course. seems That's to exactly be the only. That's what they're doing in the Big 12. Well, no the SEC seems to be the only conference that doesn't do that. Right. Um, and, you know, listen, some parts of the Pac-12, too, and then some parts of the, you know, some parts of the Big Ten. Just the Big 12 had discussed this all, what they're doing. But, nevertheless, somebody out there likes it. I want to get back on this Florida State-Miami matchup, all right? Uh, Florida State now has won nine of the last 11. Uh, Miami's never done that in the history of this matchup. So, I don't know where we're at, Emil, and I piss fans off when I start talking like this. But I think we need to have a change in mindset. I you know, might discuss this with Sap when he's on the show tomorrow. Maybe we need to have a change in mindset. I think if we continue to try and chase what we were, we're going to just continue to be disappointed. And I think also what's happening is in trying to chase who we are, we what we were, we are running away from certain things. You know, Jimmy Johnson had a discussion, and I think it's in the Sun Sentinel. He talks about how, in his day, uh, Miami played South Carolina, who was a big team back then, and they'd go play. They'd go play all these five or six big time matchups every year that you just had to watch. You had to see these games, and I think right now we're shying away from that because we need to have these wins. We need to we need to get to ten wins, eleven wins. You know what? Let's change the mindset. We're really far removed from that time. Let's go ahead and put the best teams that we can on the schedule, and we might lose, and we might start off going five and six. I think somewhere in there there'll be there'll be some pride generated amongst the the young people in in the in South Florida, in the state of Florida, that don't want to see us losing those games. That yes, we played Michigan, and Michigan beat the hell out of us. And and you know what? Let's go there and let's represent. Let's represent Florida. We can't have Miami losing to Michigan or to Ohio State, and we can't keep doing that. Let's go there. But what are we doing right now? We're in this ACC, so we're playing. We got to play those games. I wish we would get out of the ACC, but we can't. But then on top of that, we don't have those big, big time matchups. And then you know what? When we win those games, let's be thankful about it. Let's be thankful if we can beat Florida State because we lost nine of the last eleven. I know that pisses fans off, but we first got to change our mindset outside of the program. Well, I don't think you're saying less. I think you're saying I think you're saying strive to be what you were, but 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 you need to be realistic with where you're at right now. Because let's face it, there's no excuse long term that Miami shouldn't with the talent in South Florida. I'm sorry, but Miami can and should be a power again, but. It's going to take a while, and I think what you're saying is let's take. Maybe I'm maybe I'm misinterpreting you, but what I'm hearing is let's take a look at where we're at today. Let me tell and, you about that talent, okay? Let me let me break that down to you. That talent that's down here in South Florida, it is raining college coaches anytime that recruiting period opens up. They come from everywhere, and they're pulling kids from out of here. And no longer can Miami just go and say we're going to put a fence up around the quote-unquote, state of Miami and grab all the best kids out of there. That's just not going to happen. There, was, there wasn't any competition back in the 80s and 90s, and if there was, it was very limited. Kids couldn't get to these college campuses. The coaches didn't come down here in droves like that. There wasn't the Internet, and you go find kids like that. It just didn't happen that way. We are in a totally different era, and it's like I said before, let's grab the good kids that are down here. They may not be the top four and five stars, but you can get those three stars and some four stars that want to work, that want to be, want to show every when they were like these kids that were five stars, and let's coach them up and make them better. Let's not have them lining up wrong. Let's not have them failing to make 
the most fundamental right, you're not place saying, that I But want. you're not saying accept less. You're saying change your strategy, which I'm not against. All I'm saying is uh, I think with the right ex- coach, yeah, you can win big where we Miami. are. Yeah, I understand. Except, except where we are. I, and then this whole thing about it's going to be hard to get a dynasty back down here. Yes, can someone come in here and have a one magical year? And we go to the college football playoff and maybe go all the way to the end and win? Yes, that's not going to be the same thing as every damn year we're in it. Every year we're in it. People don't realize, understand how difficult that is going to be. They just don't understand. People don't realize how much other college football programs are down here in South Florida combing it and selling what they've got, selling their facilities, selling their history, selling getting away from South Florida. All well, that's the, that's the big thing. I mean, you just hit the nail on the head there. I mean, most people who remember Miami say, oh, the history. But the history is a very condensed history. I mean, you know, I'll give you an example. Notre Dame was playing Saturday. For you, for you people who are young or don't know college football history, Johnny Lujak came out on the field and did the, uh, I think, the coin toss. He's about 90 years old. He was the 1946 or 47 Heisman Trophy winner, okay? Mm-hmm. That's that's history, okay, when you could roll out a guy mm-hmm. like that. Miami's history is rather condensed, and like I said on last show, it's from 1979 through 2004. It was a dominant history. True. I mean, it was True. a very dominant history, but they ain't rolling they did out. Enough, they did enough winning for 50 or 60 years there, but you're right. It was just really 20 years. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like you're rolling out, you know, uh, a Lou Jack or, well, years, you know, until he passed away this year. Like a USC can roll out a Frank Gifford when he was alive. You know, it's just, it, right. it's not the same. So when you're when you're going against an Alabama, you know, they could they have a living legend running around like a Joe Namath. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? It's just different. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, and they're coming down in here and they're selling it. And I'm telling you, we need to realize where we are and understand that it would be a slow climb back up, a slow climb back up. I know people were ready to say the U is back if if we beat Nebraska 30, like how we had them down 36-14 or whatever that score was. Stop that. Nebraska right, sucks. They're two and four. Now, now we're you can mov- talk about that well, later in the show. Well, we didn't know how bad they sucked at the time. It was just going to be a big lopsided win against Nebraska. Yeah. All you need to say at that point is this is a great win against what we believe to be a great team or a good team, uh, a historic team, and now let's just move on to the next thing. Not the U is back, man. Stop that stuff. It just really is driving me wild, and I guess some people get what I'm saying. A lot of them don't, and they get upset about it. But you know what? A whole lot of this new fandom that you've got that that's making noise on twitter and in social media these are a lot of young kids that weren't around in the 80s and the 90s and they just want to be they want to be a part of what was before they weren't around for it the first time and they get mad when people say it's just not gonna it's not coming right now and that it's going to take a while and you know this young generation's very no yeah they they don't they want to microwave they want to microwave it yeah, exactly. They want to pop it in there, and in two minutes, ta-da, we've got a dynasty. And I'm telling you people, for someone who's in high school football and is in the middle of recruiting, it is going to be extremely difficult to get Miami back to what you saw in 2001, uh, let alone what we did in the 80s. And so we'll just have to leave it at that. we got we got a situation out west that the the little nuggets and the tidbits keep dropping piece by piece by piece, and it's not good for USC. We're going to talk about that when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. And I know she'll be the 
Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Guys, I thought um, thought they were resilient. Um, thought they believed, uh, despite going down early. Uh, they stayed together, and um, you know we had opportunities to win. You know we had them in a third and 13, and uh, came under pressure. And uh, kid made a nice throw and catch. That kept the drive alive, and obviously they went ahead on it. Just needed one more play, you know. Just needed a takeaway. You know, again, give them credit. Uh, they ran the ball really well, and uh, their quarterback protected it. They did not give us a short field ever. Uh, kicking game is excellent. They protected the football, and uh, you know, the kid, uh, quarterback, did a great job for them tonight. Frustrated, maybe downbeaten Al Golden in the post-FSU press conference. That's what you just listened to there. Uh, probably as down as I've uh, seen him in a press post-game press conference. Usually finds uh, some upbeat things to say. Uh, he was kind of short on that. He did say the team would be back, and we can all hope for that because that has not been the case in the past uh, after Miami has lost to Florida State. So all eyes well, will I be on that Well, I think at this point, angle. too, he might see the writing a little bit on the wall. I mean, if you're not winning those kind of games, eventually you don't get to coach those kind of games anymore. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're not you're not winning your division, you're not winning your conference, you're not beating your rival, uh, it gets kind of tough to hang on to your job. So, um, you know, the the walls are kind of closing in there. But if they can hold it together for the rest of the season, you got a chance, too. 
win the Coastal Division, which what, that's what many people say is what's needed here for um, for him to hold on and still be the coach here next season. So right. that's uh, what they're faced with, and uh, that's what we've got coming up. But listen, Emil, um for as crazy and as as downtrodden as the the program might feel right now at Miami. What we've got going on out west at USC may indeed be a little crazier. Here's the little here's a little timetable of events. We know what happened with the banquet, right? Right. Came in a little sloshed um, and appeared in front in public that way, and and then now we have this game uh, on Thursday uh, against Washington that they lose an unranked opponent, someone they had no business losing to. Uh, obviously, very disappointing. You're coming out for a Saturday practice, and apparently it is alleged that uh, Sarkeesian shows up drunk, let's just say. Um, They're describing it, you know, administration is describing it, Pat Hayden's describing it as not well, ill, or whatever was the term that he used, but apparently it is um, drunk. So he was sent upstairs um, into the McKay building, which is the football complex there, and the practice went on without Sarkeesian in attendance, and that led to a ton of speculation. What we have coming out of the other end of it is that Sarkeesian is on indefinite leave. Uh, that's code for fired, if you ask me. Yeah, and, he's uh, never Clay coming Helton back. Is your interim coach? So yeah, he, they don't want to come off as they don't want to come off as. Listen, we live in a society, okay? We talked about it before the show, where everybody is offended by something and insensitive. They don't want to come off as we fired a person with an alcohol addiction, so. They put him on that suspension, leave, whatever. You know, my bet is they're going to say uh, at some point, hopefully he gets treatment. I'm hoping it ends up well for him. And, uh, you know, we've decided to mutually move on so he can restart his life. Listen, he, he's never coming back there. It ain't happening. Yeah, I, I don't know how you could. Um, I don't know how you could come back in and, and, and really have control of your football team. So uh, I don't. I don't know what you know. My bigger problem, though, with the whole situation when when this first happened and we heard about him getting drunk. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're only hearing the first part of that story. So my initial reaction was, "Well, he wasn't the first coach to ever get drunk." Blah blah blah. I'm guessing that USC had a pretty good idea that this guy drank a lot. Okay, it's not Mm -hmm. like that was the first time he ever got drunk. Matter of fact, the stories are coming out now that last year on a trip home from Washington State, he drank a bottle of Patron. That was his drink of choice. In, in mm-hmm. the plane on the way home, so there's a pretty good idea. They're saying that, he was drunk at the Arizona, drunk during the, the Arizona State game. Yeah. Well, you want to know what's saying. funny about that? Now the, the, they were saying he was overly animated, and now that you're mentioning it, I thought it was very bizarre that night. He was he was actually you know where the where the players jump up and whatever they I don't know what the name of it is where you jump up in the air and you bang backs together mm-hmm. you know you bump. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was yeah. doing that with players coming off mm-hmm. the field. <laughs> I mean so. Well, you know, ornery, ornery USC fans are out there saying, um, well, the guy should be sauced every game because <laughs> look what they did. The best game he ever Arizona coached, right. <laughs> well, you know what, though? Here's where I'm going to go with this. And I feel bad. Listen, if he has a problem, I, I really do wish him well. I don't mean that. You know, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to see people. You know, I mean, you, there's a bigger thing here, and that's his life, and I hope he straightens it out. But um, the things I've talked about that I've noticed with USC, if if this has been going on, well, it's, it's obvious that why it's going on. I mean, you know, I, I keep saying to you, they seem soft. They seem unfocused. Well, I mean, what kind of message are you sending? You know, you're, these kids are smart these days. You think they don't know you're drunk? 
So our coach, oh, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, them kids get drunk, too, so they're going to know what it looks like. Yeah, so they're um, so coming. You're, he's you're, coming you're, to practice drunk, and, and and you're gonna ask, you're gonna expect your team to be motivated and disciplined. Come on. You yeah, think Barry Saban would do that? No, no, no. Um, uh, there's a certain way you got to present yourself before the team. Um, inside story is uh, he's going through a very nasty divorce with the wife, and she's draining him for everything that he's got, and uh, maybe that has led to some of the drinking problems that he's had. But it looks, as you read through here, you're hearing stories now about him uh, drinking while he was at Washington. I don't know how long he's been going through problems with the wife, but uh, I don't know that we need to throw all that on her. I don't know that that's what we need to do. Nevertheless, he's got this problem. He's got to fix it, and he's not going to be able to do it as coach of USC. I think he's done. Where where does USC go from there? You and I talked a lot about this Chip Kelly thing. I'm kind of backpedaling. Well, on wait. That let's stop. Being let's a good stop idea. the coach. Let's not talk about the coach. Let's talk about what the real issue here is. And I love the guy, by the way. Okay, as far as mm-hmm. you know, loves the school, love him. The issue to me is Pat Hayden. Yeah, why does are we he get sitting a here? Yeah, why are we sitting here? Listen, they fired Mike Garrett because Mike Garrett was defiant, and you're going to see that on Trojan Wars tomorrow night. I hope you're going to see it. I haven't pre, I haven't seen it, but I'm going to guess they have to at some point talk to Mike Garrett. He was defiant in his defense of the university during the Reggie Bush scandal, saying, listen, we don't have a problem here. We have a, a rogue set of parents and a kid, okay? Well, they got rid of him because he didn't bow down at the altar of the NCAA. And it, as it turns out, okay, Mike Mike Garrett was probably right. The NCAA was was found to be, you know, conspiring against USC with those emails, Okay. And Garrett was a great athletic director. He brought in Pete Carroll. The basketball program, which has always been dormant, uh, was, was getting to the Sweet 16 a couple times. I mean, they get rid of him, they bring in Pat. Now, Pat's the road scholar, makes the good presentation, all that stuff. He's hired mm-hmm. two coaches so far. How's that worked out? Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, not so good. You know? So you want so him to far. hire the next one. Is that what I'm, you know, that, that's my question to USC right now. You want the guy that hired Lane Kiffin and then after getting rid of him thought it was a good idea to bring in Sark. And I was, listen, I'm not going to change history. Oh, they're talking about the basketball coach uh, hiring too, so you might just want to go ahead and throw three hirings. In yeah, oh, yeah, the, kid, the, kid, the guy from that Florida out. school down there that had one run to the Sweet 16. And Florida all of a Gulf sudden, Coast, yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden. Yeah, that's not looking USC. great either. Let's not, forget for, Pat running, let's not forget Pat running down on the field at Stanford too. He's, no, he's, and I'm, he's listen, had, I was had willing, I was willing to give Sark a chance, okay, because like – how, what do I know? Okay, I figure, hey, Washington sucked when he got there. They had, they had a zero win season. He got them up to seven and eight wins, whatever. Okay, but obviously it's failed. And I, here's the thing: I don't get paid to hire USC football coaches. Pat Hayden does. He's supposed to be better right. at it than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so, no doubt about it. But you and I could, I guess, made those hires, um, and it's just, it's just not looking good. So how long, and it seems like some of the heat's starting to come Pat Hayden's way because I'm seeing more and more articles about it. And so they're going to turn the heat up on Pat Hayden. Um, and Pat Hayden, in turn, is going to have to – he's going to have to make a move here. And uh, Pat Hayden's going to have to make a move, and USC is going to have to decide really, really quick here since you're obviously going to lose your, your head football coach. That's going to happen. Who's going to hire the next guy? Are if, we it were, let Pat if it Hayden were me, you know – I would be looking for first my AD. I've got I've got a two or three month window here. I think part of it is and call this the cynic in me. Part of that window of temporary leave is because it leaves it like he could come back, even though anybody with good common sense knows that he won't. Um, 
and it gives them a, t- a little bit of breathing room to figure out their next move. I think their next move should really be to sit down with Pat Hayden and ask him to bow out gracefully and not, not um, embarrass him because he's still a great Trojan, and, mm-hmm. and either look for another AD in the form of a J.K. McKay, who is one of his right-hand guys there, the compliance guy, came from the, mm-hmm. the you know John McKay's son, uh, brother Rich McKay, NFL GM. You know, maybe look look to a guy like him or or somebody if they have somebody better in mind. But I think that new, I think you've got to get a new AD to make that coaching hire because obviously. All right, but let's do the fan thing. Let's do the fan thing because most fans don't really care about athletic directors, and they should, but uh, they care about the next coach. And so let's do the whole speculation thing. Um, you and I talked a little bit about it. I, I feel like. Initially, it it kind of sounded like a good idea if Chip Kelly were to come in and what could he do offensively with all of those athletes and that talent down in USC. And really right now it smells to me, this whole uh, hurry-up system that he has, it smells to me like people have caught up to it, both at the college and the NFL level. He struggled to get anything going offensively with the Philadelphia Eagles. And those folks up there in Oregon just really can't – they really can't – make things happen up there right now. So people may have caught up with it. This thing may have gone the way of the run and shoot. It may have gone the way of a a host of other offenses that have popped up over the years that are great for a little while, but then after a while people catch up with it. So I'm not so sure about that because if you bring in Chip Kelly, Emil, you're changing kind of the culture at USC, and USC has always been – They've, they've been true to their identity over the years. Agree or disagree with well, that? Well, first of all, I've pulled back a little off that for several reasons. One, your point, I seed. I think it's a good point. I, two, it's a little bit too easy, too convenient. Like, hey, let's grab this guy. Yeah, that rarely works out. But three, you know, I listened to one of a guy you and I both enjoy. Uh, Colin Cowherd talked about this before the Sark incident, after the Washington game. And he mm-hmm. talked about and used the key word. On his show, he used identity. Okay, mm-hmm. that's in anything you do in life, you develop an identity, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what makes you know? I mean, you you want to buy a nice car, you know, you're going to go get whatever. In your mind, most people say, ah, BMW, Mercedes, Audi, some you know, Jaguar. Okay, that's right. their identity. Okay, right. Um, you want to fly a good airline, cheap Southwest. He talked about this. Yes. The problem is not the loss for Sark, and that's, this is what he said, and he's right. It's the identity. See, when you have an identity, when Alabama lost to Mississippi, they know what they are at Alabama. So we lost a game, mm-hmm. big deal. They went back mm-hmm. to their identity, what Alabama does, and they mm-hmm. went and they beat the crap out of Georgia. They know what they are. The big problem right. at USC now is they don't know what they are. They're like, you know, your famous line. They're like a box of those chocolates. You have to turn it over to see what the hell you're going to get. Yeah, or bite into those things, God forbid, and uh, what's, what's inside just explodes in your mouth and you want to spit it out. You have no idea what it is. And I think that's where we're at. You know, here's what I think of. Okay, if I'm saying what do I think of normally, when I think of what's USC's identity? Great right. athlete Tailback. playing Tailback. a pro-style offense with mm-hmm. a fullback, Big offensive lineman beating the hell out of you for a while before they throw the ball over the top to some of those big athletic wide receivers, and then on defense, linebackers and linemen hitting you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Think about it. Exactly. And that's what it's been. And safeties that are going to come and knock you sideways, and that's what it's always been. 
and you just can't get away from that tailback centric thing, man. You can't get away from O.J. Simpson, Charles White, Garrett. You can't get away from Marcus Allen, Reggie Bush. You just, I don't think you can do that. You can't go now every down. You've got your tailback standing next to your quarterback looking for some zone read handoff. I just, I just don't think that. Let me give you the criteria. I don't want. I'm not trying to say I want Jim Harbaugh's personality, but here's what I do want generally. And and I think if you if you hear me out, you'll you'll understand why I do. For people out there. I want somebody with some NFL experience. Doesn't necessarily have to be a USC guy. I don't mind it because USC is a, a unique job. It's kind of it's a it's a job where you got to understand the LA culture and and the school because mm. you're in a big city. So there's a lot of distractions. Mm. So I think it helps mm. to be an SC guy, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Um, but I want somebody coming from the NFL from a defensive background. Um, Harbaugh is not defensive, but he thinks. Believe it or not, not like a quarterback, and I think that's having played for Dick and Buddy Ryan. He thinks like a defensive-minded coach, even he, though he was a quarterback. He coaches, yeah. He coaches offense, understanding that defense is a part of the deal. And he's not yes. uh, one of these offensive coaches like it's all about offense. It's all about putting up numbers. My quarterback, uh, you know, having the best passing rating efficiency, and and we're going to score sixty, seventy points a game. He just doesn't yeah. think like that. And maybe I'm wrong here in saying this, but I'm not ever really worried about my offense at a school like a USC because I, I know I'm mm. going to get kids that can run fast and, and throw footballs out west. I, I'm, I have a feeling I can get a coordinator that can get me enough offense in this era that I, I'm going to win, but I still say the way to dominate college football, like Alabama did, like USC did mm-hmm. before them, like mm-hmm. Miami did before them. I mean, I just named you basically the last three dynasties. And I'll even include Florida State in there because they were in the top five 15 years in a row. All those schools, mm-hmm. the one thing was defense. Defense, right. defense, defense. Every one of them. There's your last four dynasties that I can think of. They played defense. And yeah. at, the end of, at the end of the day, that's what I want coming. That's what Pete Carroll did. That's what I I mean. I think Harbaugh is going to be with Urban Meyer. Those two are going to dominate the Big Ten back like when we were kids. And, you know, defense to me is the difference. Everybody's going to score in this era. Some more than others, of course. But mm-hmm. when you play Kansas and you're Baylor and you play. Well, at the end of the day, and you're breaking up, you're breaking up there a little bit, uh, Emil. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, man, you got to stop people. All right. I don't care who you are. You got to stop people. So this thing about we're going to outscore people and march our way to the championship, it's just not going to work that way. You know, Oregon made it to a national championship game in uh, in 2010, and they were all about outscoring people. And what was the score of that game? 20 to 14, something like that. And that got, oh, the, you Auburn, play the Auburn game was 21-18. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a low-scoring yeah, game I, decided I mean, on it, a field goal. It ended ended up being a very low-scoring game. So at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, you're going to have to stop people, and I think USC is going to have to get – or they're going to – you know, I th- I just think that whole – if they do the Chip Kelly thing, it's going to feel a whole lot like Rich Rod at Michigan, where you brought a guy in, he had a new hot offense, and uh, we started running this, and we changed the kind of players that we bring in here, and we're really not so big on defense. And then if that doesn't work out – you're going to want to bring back in a USC guy, and it's going to take you a while to get what you need on personnel-wise to get back to being USC, and it could just could turn into a whole decade away from but I think where you, you know want me. to be. I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm usually able to put my fandom aside when I sit down and think about something and, and be honest. I don't say stuff like this to offend fans of other teams. I don't because I mean I think it's cool when teams like like Oregon and Baylor and stuff like that do good. But here's here's the thing, and, and tell me if you disagree. 
when you're at those schools, you kind of need something crazy initially to draw kids to school. Listen, no one was going to Baylor 10 years ago. They were, they were a doormat for, for decades. No one was going to TCU. No one right. was going to Oregon, okay? Right. So those kind of things are important. You don't need that at Alabama, Notre Dame, Texas, Florida, I, I USC. You, are, you have hit it right on the head. I agree with you 100%. At some of those places, man, um, and I don't know if I want to use this kind of word, although I don't know, maybe I wouldn't apologize for it. you got to use some kind of a gimmick. There has to be a selling point to get people to Waco, to get people to Eugene. I, I, I get that. Uh, Oregon can't line up in a pro-style offense. They I don't think that they could really do that. Um, they did a great job in running an offense that was unique and doing the whole stuff with the uniforms. Um, I don't think they would have gotten to where they are otherwise. But when you are USC, you are Ohio, Ohio State, you're Alabama, you're Texas, you're, you're these stalwarts, and you stick to your identity and you make that work and realize that you will at times lose games. You will at times come up against people who are running the gimmicks that are hot now that people haven't figured out how to beat yet, and um, you lose to them. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you know if you stick to what you do, you're going to get back to, to winning. You know, right. And, and I mean, I, and I you know, the thing of it is, I tell people, you can substantiate what I'm saying. Go on ESPN, look under the players section in the NFL, okay, and start counting, you know, the pro players coming from these schools. First day of the mm -hmm. season this year, LSU led the way. They had like 40 players. USC was second with 39. You're not going to find Oregon in the top 10. I'm going to guess. I didn't do it, but I bet you you don't. You're not going to find Baylor right. in the top 10. Okay, they're not producing NFL talent. That doesn't mean it's bad. If you're a Baylor fan, you don't really give a crap. Your team wins. What I'm trying to say is you don't need the gimmicks as you use at those schools. You stay true to what you are. So for me, I want to see USC. I keep throwing a name out to you that I love. I'm a Jeff Fisher fan. I think the guys mm -hmm. usually coach teams in the NFL that haven't had a hell of a lot of talent. Now, you could argue mm -hmm. the Rams defensively have talent, but they play pretty well defensively. They don't have any offensive right. talent. They have some guys like they have pieces. They have Gurley, right. who's young. They have Austin, but they don't have a quarterback. <laughs> they don't have a yeah. line. No, I, I agree. Listen, the whole Jeff Fisher thing sounds intriguing. It sounds like it could be a good idea. Uh, he would stick to the USC principles, and he is a good football coach. And he's a good personality. He's... he's a good interview, and you know yes. what? He's tough as nails. He was tough as nails as a player. His defenses play tough, but he, he's he's not a guy who drains the life out of football. I just football don't know that he's available and that he wants to leave professional football. I don't know. That would have to be figured out. What what we do know, Emil, is that, and you and I agree on this, indefinite leave equals fired. It's just only a matter of time before that happens. You know, Sarkeesian's going the way of Randy Edsel. That's for sure. We need to take a break. We're going to touch on some of the other things that went down in college football when we get, get back on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stick with us. Give us a call today. 347-633-9365. Never a better time to come in and talk to us on the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll be back right after this. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. 
what's the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Kevin, you talked about people saying how are you possibly going to get ready for this game, and and I know as unfair as that term has been in the way it's been applied to, to Clemson, the whole Clemsoning thing and losing games you're not supposed to, how... Does this team kind of approach that differently in, in your mind? Is it a matter of, like you said, that, that you're focused one game at a time, or is it a matter that they don't even think about it anymore? Well, I think it's ridiculous that you're even asking me that question. I uh, that you even say the word. I mean, I'm serious. I'm sick of it. I don't even know why we even bring up the dead gum word. How about some of these other teams out there that lose to unranked opponents all the time? That's our 33rd win versus unranked opponent. We ain't lost to anybody unranked since 2011, but I have to come to a press conference in 2015 and get asked that. And that's all media bull crap. I can tell you how they feel about it. They don't like it. It's a lack of respect. It's not doing your homework and paying attention to what reality is. Should not be asked that question. Period. That's how we feel about it. This football team right here has earned the respect. Ain't nobody giving us anything. Not one ounce of anything. They've earned everything they got. Man, Dabo's pissed off, folks. Stop using that word Clemsoning, or his team's going to punch you right in the mouth. Now, one half of me says, Emil, that... um, when you've gone to bowl games, and I happened to somehow, some kind of way, ended up being in the stadium and watched West Virginia wipe the floor up. I mean, they were on their way to 100 points, and this must have been about four or five yeah. years ago, on their way to just wiping them up. And then two years ago, you have this big showdown with Florida State at your place, uh, everyone talking about what a great atmosphere it is, and it is game day, especially at night. And Florida State puts you out of it in about three and a half minutes. A part of me says, man, you've kind of brought the whole Clemson and thing on your on yourself. The other half is the media's got to let some crap go and stop doing stuff for clickbait and stop using these buzzwords to, you know, keep people interested. The real story here is that Clemson's having a, a, a hell of a year and why can't that be the story right now, that Clemson is doing what they got to do? People were expecting them to do this this season, have a great year, win the ACC, their half of the ACC at least, and they're out there doing that. And poor Dabo's got to listen to this, and the players got to listen to this whole Clemson and thing when they're doing what they're out there supposed to Can do. Can I give you my trick? You know, and, and you know, we're, we're a small part of what I'll say is some media and the new generation, but I don't really consider us media. We're two guys that I like to think know a decent amount about football, okay, and try to share mm-hmm. it and, you know, we're open to opinions. Uh, I find people in the media, the few that I like, that I have respect for, I'll listen to them. The rest I just tune out. I mean, in other words, you and I both tend to like Kyle Hurd. He's not for everybody, 
I mean, you got to know his personality, but I do think he's very insightful and he sees things through a different prism. And it's not always the easy stuff that the, the masses go for. And I like that in somebody. So I'll listen to mm-hmm. him. But most of the people on TV and the radio, I don't even listen to. I tune them out because they're they're looking mm-hmm. for nothing more than clicks and eyeballs, and they say stuff that's just stupid. Yeah, it's clickbait. And you know, I used this as an example in a tweet last week. You remember the whole story about Matt Barnes driving 95 miles to go beat up Derek Fisher at the house of his ex-wife? Yes. Well, it turns out that he was 15 minutes away because he, he lives 15 minutes away from the house. So he drove 15 minutes over to the house to find out what was going on with his kids because he got called by his kids. Not nearly as good a story as the man drove 95 miles from Grizzly training camp or whatever the hell team he plays for. It's not nearly as good a story. It's not going to get nearly as many clicks if you say he just hopped over 15 minutes away. So they hear 95 miles, they hear that, and they go and they run with it. And the media right now is more interested in your attention than they are in getting things right. And it's just, I'm, I promise you it's causing such a problem right now. I, I agree. And I, what I'm trying to say is, though, you know, why do we listen to people that just by their background don't necessarily know know a lot? I mean, listen, I'll give you an example. I'm picking on them this morning, but pick any of those guys at ESPN, uh, Buster only, Jason Stark. If they want to write a nice expose, on something that a ball player does in his life, or you know, a story. In other words, that I might want to read because they're writers. That's interesting. If they want to tell me how how you should uh, approach Jacob Degrom in an at in an bat, in an at bat, mm-hmm. I don't care because mm-hmm. my <laughs> like I said, neither of them played past little league. If I had a bat, yeah, yeah. So I why know. am I listening? So the same thing here. You're talking about a bunch of writers, right? that know nothing about sports in many cases, how to prepare. Let's say Clemson beat Louisville earlier this year, 20-17. to 17. Louisville was not ranked. Would you rather mm-hmm. have an ugly win against an unranked opponent or a pretty loss? Me, I just take the win. I'm happy. you got to just win games. Hey, listen, yeah. on his way... On his way to this dynasty that they've had, and I would say probably still have until it's clear that it's gone, Nick Saban played a lot of close games against teams that weren't necessarily in the top five. Just win football games. That's all. That's all you need to do, and uh, that's what Clemson's been out doing. So I'm 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 feeling Dabo Swinney on that, and and uh, people chill out with the whole Clemsoning deal. By the way, if you uh, take a real good hard look at Clemson's schedule the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. I don't see a loss on it. Well, I always uh, caution you against that. No, I'm not saying that they won't lose. I'm saying if you look at every game they play the remainder of the way, they should be a pretty good – okay, they're going to play your school at Miami. Maybe not a prohibitive favor, but they'll be favored. Um, Mm -hmm. They have a trip to NC State, a home game with Florida State. They'll be favored at Syracuse, home with Wake Forest, and at South Carolina. I'm not saying they won't lose. I'm just saying – they have an excellent chance of running the table here. They do. They do, and maybe he could get rid of that, uh, the whole Clemson and thing once and for all. So, I mean, it's it's he's he has said his piece on it, but now I think his guys are just going to have to go out on the field and stomp that out of there. Um, you know, the situation we talked about at USC, and, you know, Sarkeesian's not been on the job very long. Looks like he's going to lose it. What has not helped you know, someone like Steve Sarkeesian and other guys who are on the hot seat, like a Charlie Strong and even an Al Golden down here, is just how well 
uh, new coaches at Florida and Michigan have done. Both are very much ahead of the schedule. Uh, I even picked Michigan to be a sub-500 team this year. No one expected Florida to be 6-0 and at this point. Thought for sure that Ole Miss game would be a loss, and many mm-hmm. predicted Tennessee ending the long streak. And they're both uh, undefeated right now and looking like they're amongst the best teams in the country. That does not help uh, these other coaches that have not hit Year four or five. Yeah, but let's start with let's go through them. Florida was a different situation than Michigan. I don't think the cupboard necessarily of Florida was anywhere near bare. Um, last mm-hmm. year, when they were making the change, the recruiting class might have been down in the rankings. But prior to that, they had some several really good classes. Okay, we all knew as football fans, if they can find any kind of offense where they just don't leave their defense out there forever. This can be a pretty good football team because we knew they could play some defense. I mean, last year their losses were the result of the defense being worn down in some cases. Okay, so that's a different situation than Michigan. Now, Michigan, most people thought the cupboard was bare, but if you really go back and take Michigan apart, they had a very good defense last year. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it was another situation where if somebody can come in here and figure out how to move the football a little bit, they can win some games. Now, neither of us thought they'd be as good as they are, but – so I don't what, think it's a, what seems to be the consistent theme in what you're saying here? Of course, defense. I get that. And where I'm going to go with mm-hmm. Texas is I think Strong walked into a totally different situation. The Texas, first of all, quarterback situation was a disaster. He had a different philosophy coming in there, uh, especially you know just in, in, in how he runs a football team. So he ran some kids off that had some ability but weren't his kind of guys. Uh, the defense played a little bit over its head last year, played well. But, but, I mean, when you're playing with an offense that literally is getting 150 yards in a game, you're not going to play good defense. True. Um, right, yeah, and these guys obviously know how to coach. Um, but what it's throwing out there for these guys, is, and, and, you know, all three of these places that we mentioned here, USC, uh, Texas, and, and Miami, may be in the business of looking for new coaches when next season arrives. I don't know that all three are going to find a Jim McElwain or a Jim Harbaugh. I mean, the Jim Harbaugh thing is quite unique. Um, he went home. Jim McElwain yeah, thing, yeah, it's a great find by Florida, finding Jim McElwain. I don't think all three of these places are going to be able to, to do that. And so, Well, I don't think know, Charlie Strong guys, after that win. I think Charlie Strong might be safe now. You would say so, and you would think so after there were – Propping him up in the air, it was good to see that, to know that. Yeah, I, I think he may be guy. safe. I think he showed them at Texas, listen, if if if, if I can get a quarterback here and, and move the ball a little bit, I can get these kids to, to listen to my message, especially in a big rivalry game like that. Um, he may be okay for at least another. He may get another year. Um, what's going to hurt Sark more than his drinking, actually, was just the results. I mean, when you sit there and you look at USC and you say, okay, every year, no matter what service you're using, they can't all be that wrong. He's bringing in mm-hmm. a top-five recruiting class, or USC is, even under Kiffin. Mm-hmm. Okay? They were bringing in really good recruiting classes, albeit smaller, but now they're off probation. There is no excuse. He brought in mm-hmm. the number one class in the country this past year, and the results aren't there. And it looks like an effort thing or a stupidity thing in some cases, dumb penalties and not playing exceptionally hard in some cases. That's what's going to hurt Sark. The drinking is just over the top, making it easy for the school now. Well, let's understand that it's a move I guess they had to make. But does USC uh, – let's 
let's just hypothetically speaking say all three of these schools are going to be looking for a coach next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, does USC kind of win that sweepstakes, put themselves ahead of the game by by putting their coach on ice now? I don't know about that. that I mean, do you feel I, that? If hypothetically USC and Texas are looking for a coach, they're both premium jobs. I don't. It just depends where the guy wants to be and where he sees himself fitting. I don't know if they help themselves that way. I think what's happened right now is a situation where the guy has an issue um, for his own life. He's only 40 years old. I mean, this guy needs to get it cleaned up. Hopefully he has a nice long life ahead of him so he straightens himself out. I think that's more of prag- pragmatism. This guy can't coach. He's got a drinking problem, and it's obvious to us. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they have a guy in house who was an interim coach for a bowl game, and they did quite well in it. They'll, they'll utilize him right now, like they did with Ogeron, and I think it gives them time, like I said, to regroup. I don't think it's a. a I think it's kind of a, a twofold thing. They need to put the guy on suspension or leave so he can get treatment, and at the same time, they need to figure out what's our move here. Because, to your point, I think there's enough smart people at a school like USC that realize this next move is huge because. We don't want to be be spinning, you know. It's our first year off probation, so we had a five year period where we could say, "Hey, we're on probation." Let's let's be honest. Teams don't win national championships on probation. That doesn't happen. But now we're off probation, and we don't want to spend a decade lost in the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. You you don't want that because that ends up being very hard to fight back from because uh, recruiting is very very competitive in this day and age, and you never know who. Well, that's what's happened to your school. That's what's on. happened to Miami. They got lost in the woods for a decade. Now they're at the end of that decade, and they're saying we're lost. Now they realize maybe we're lost in the woods. So mm-hmm. to your point, now they got to say, okay, well, to get out of the woods, we can't think we're the Miami we were when we first got lost. We're a different Miami. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you knew about this. I don't know if this is breaking news, but uh, Chase Utley is suspended for games three and four. How about that, Emil? Oh, I knew that. Yeah, I knew that. And that that yeah. that that just that fits the whole what I what I was ranting on to start the, you know, the whole thing. The the result is what he got suspended for. If he flipped the guy and the guy got up and dusted himself off, we'd all be talking about what a hard-nosed player he is and man, that's how you play, but because the guy broke his fibula, we're all going to so say So we're, play, we're playing a result here apparently. That's what, what I feel. Doing, I mean, so. would you disagree? Uh no, no, that's kind of what we do now. So you know, welcome, welcome to the new era that we're in. All right, well, let's talk about something happy here because we've had a number of uh, depressing topics. Somebody was red hot this weekend in college football picks, and it wasn't it wasn't me. So let me hit the depressive part, which was me. I'm going to go first, and then you can talk about how great you are and how thank you. Um, you you are a guru like the guy my brother and I met outside of Cracker Barrel. You might want to hook up with that. Guy. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna go through. I'm gonna go through the nonsense that was me this weekend. Uh, I think I'm done with Nebraska. I think I had my Nebraska fix. I've put my trust in them um, several times, and they've let me down. And uh, once again, they uh, went and did that back and forth with Wisconsin. And again, Nebraska just doesn't know how to, you know, play a game where it's over early. Uh, it goes all the way down to the wire, and they end up on the short end. They lose the game. All I needed them to do was win the game, Emil. There's a point and a half. I just need you to win the game. No, I mean, need you, think, you to win a home you game against the Did you think Nebraska sitting at 2-4? and four? Seriously. Uh, no. So people are probably looking sideways at the whole uh, hire of Mike Riley. I don't know that he even – does he fit the culture there? I don't know. We're gonna, They're going to have to find out there. But nevertheless, I know one thing. Damn guy's costing me. Costing me right here, hot and heavy. So 
Um, that was a tough. Don't really one. care for what he's got. Yeah, I'm, I, I just needed I just needed that win. Um, Oregon, maybe that's another team I'm done with. Huh? How about that? I'm done with yeah. Oregon. Um, it's clear that they are done. They're through. They're not what they were. Won't be it at any point. Incapable of showing it. They've had all the opportunities to do so, and um, they've just failed to do it. Maybe I should have just paid it. I should have. Listen to my my. Let me ask you something there. You know, we may be missing the obvious, and usually, usually the encore is never as good as the first act. But you know, everybody's talking about Chip Kelly. If Chip Kelly went back to college, how the hell do we know he doesn't want to go back to Oregon? Maybe, <laughs> maybe. But I don't know. Just that kind of stuff there never really works out. Never it, it works. Will never be like how it was. But uh, nevertheless, Oregon's a uh, Oregon's done. So. Uh, no more of the jumping on them as big double-digit favorites. They end up losing the freaking game. So um, that killed me. Um, I wish I could get three wins for the blowout win that I got with Minnesota over Purdue. It it went as I thought. Purdue shot their wad against uh, Michigan State, and when they didn't get the win, um, it really just put them in the dumps, and that's, that's how they played. Minnesota ran them right off the field. So I got that win one and two. Um, now I find you're still, myself. You still got a fine record in college for the year. You're sitting at 11 and seven, and uh, if you know if you're not good at math, folks, that's pretty good picking. 60 percent can't beat that. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But I'm behind you, so let's talk about what you did this weekend. Well, what I did this weekend was identify three games that were simple. How's that? Let me start with the first one. We went with Duke Thank you. Uh, minus nice 12 play. and a half. And I told you the logic there. Army went to Penn State, which is still on their in their minds the Penn State of, you know, winning national championships and big bowl games. And they hung with them for four quarters and lost twenty to fourteen. They go home and they play a pretty good Duke team that everybody still thinks only plays basketball, but they're playing some good football at Duke. And they showed it. Army was completely out of gas. Duke came up to New York and uh, beat the hell out of the uh, the service academy there, forty-four to three. That was never in doubt. That was an easy one. Mm-hmm. Then we get to a game that we've uh, beaten up a little bit on the show. I, I took Miami plus eight and a half when the show was going on. Uh, that line ended up in most places at six, six and a half points. Miami still covered. They lost by five. Uh, I, I felt they it was did. a solid pick. I liked, I, you know, the Hurricanes were in the game. It was hell. You know, I agreed. I was, I was saying they were going to win, and then at some point, I just really started thinking, man, you know, we haven't really won games like that. Yeah. But I just couldn't. I didn't see Florida State being eight. Points better. No, no. And so that definitely right here's on one that. we kind of missed in our you know discussion. But um, I took Kansas State plus ten against TCU, and I, I really feel that TCU is just a team that's living on borrowed time at this point. They don't play any defense. Some of that is because they don't believe in it. Some of it is they have a ton of injuries on defense. I shouldn't say they don't believe mm-hmm. in it. They've been a very good defensive team in past years. But and that's not, been Patterson's background. Yeah, uh, he was yeah they're not playing guy. much defense right now. Um, and you know when you when you have fifty five, fifty two wins, and and Saturday they they came back to their credit. They were down in this game. You were never outside the number if you had Kansas State. Uh, TCU mm-hmm. won on a long touchdown pass with about two minutes left. Final fifty two forty five. Easy cover. Hey, though, Bill like Snyder's a guy that still believes in defense, playing in that crazy conference. It's hard for him, though. You know, he he's a little bit limited offensively when you watch them play. He he gets some stuff done, and because these other teams are just playing basketball, he almost gets forced into those games. And in this case, 
Um, just couldn't score enough points. He came up on the short end and a couple at the end. He took a field goal instead of you know getting a touchdown. He couldn't get the touchdown to really you know seize control of the game again late. And uh, TCU you know took advantage and they came back and won. Let, let I give me get credit. let me get schizophrenic on you here. Um, on one side, we, let's applaud let, let's applaud Bill Snyder for doing what we talked about in this show holding true to your identity despite all the madness that's going on around you. And then on the other side, let's talk about something else that we did talk about in this show is you're in Kansas State, you're not in one of these stalwarts of college football. Maybe maybe you need to gimmick it up to put Kansas State out there and uh have Kansas State be some someone that people are talking about. It won't they tried it, remember? He retired for a they while. Did. How did how did Kansas State look when he wasn't coaching? It didn't work. Maybe they didn't have the right guy. Maybe they need Chip Kelly. Let's put Chip yeah. Kelly in any job that, you know, could Yeah, well, we'll just put him everywhere. Uh, be here's available. The Let's thing put him with everywhere. Kansas, you remember this. Kansas State was really a laughing stock of college football for 30 years. I mean, I'm talking like at least from what I can go back and read. Yeah, no one goes there, no one thinks about it, n- none no. of that. Then he came along and made them not only respectable, but actually competing for some championships. He retired, went away. They went back to being a laughing stock. He came back. They went back to being respectable and better than respectable. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's a place when he when he quits, it'll go. It, it's going to have a hard time being a good football program. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And l- look, let me mind you. Let me say this: I got no problem with Bill Snyder. He's the most underrated college football no, coach he's a great there is coach. out there. I mean, no, and if there, I, and if there is a choice with Bill Snyder there, I prefer you just remain and hold to your identity and let everyone in that conference know when you're going to play Kansas State, especially when you're going out there to Manhattan, you're going to deal with some kind of defense. And I love that that he's in that conference doing. You know that. what I, I love? Totally appreciate. Do you know what I love? I love going three and zero. I love that my college football record is thirteen and five. Go get your calculator out. Tell the folks what thirteen and five is. That is seven. That is seven. That is north of seventy percent. What a lot of guys lie about being on Saturday mornings when they're trying to drain some money out of these people. And I'm talking about the unscrupulous handicappers that are out there. You're sitting at seventy-two percent. We can make that bold claim and not grow a nose around here. No, they could go back. It's in the archives. You tape these for everybody. They can go back and listen. Yeah, and I do also love that we are a combined 24 and 12 between the two of us. We're winning two-thirds of these picks that we're giving you here on the grid. Oh, no doubt. Hey, listen, your percentage, I'm not just saying that blowing blowing sunshine up, but, you know, your percentage is phenomenal. If If you can hit 60%, that's unbelievable. I'm just on a little bit of a hot streak. I'm sure that'll happen to you soon, and I'll cool off. But bottom line is we're pretty good at understanding the college game. I mean, I'm you know, I know that sounds a little braggadocio, but it's true. Yeah, we are, and and I'll be back. There's no doubt about that. Well, we're not talking about the NFL picks. We are doing that tomorrow, and it's a programming note, call it shameless promotion, whatever. whatever. I'm just telling you for this, your benefit, listeners out there, if you're listening, you need to be here tomorrow at 10 a.m. listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. First of all, you need to be listening every day because it's the best sports talk radio show on Blog Talk Radio, and I don't mind saying that. It is what it is. Facts are facts, people. That is what it is. But I want to give you, I want to tell you, you need to really, really be listening to the show tomorrow because we're going to have Warren Sapp on doing his weekly segment with us and it's straight talk with Warren Sapp and we've certainly got some things that we need to you know, run across his mind and hear what he has to say about it so you don't want to miss out on that show it's 10 a.m. tomorrow uh, Emil and I are on and we're going to have Warren Sapp on straight talk with Warren Sapp and we'll, we're going to touch on the NFL and we'll discuss the NFL picks because Emil was on fire there too with another 3-0 and day I mean this guy is just absolutely amazing 
What's it, Can what I was, start screaming was, tomorrow? I'm insane. Yeah, you could you could do the whole crazy Eddie thing. You could be what was what was Matthew McConaughey's uh, name oh, in yeah, the movie yeah. that he did with Two Al Pacino. You could be that guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you could you could be that guy tomorrow. Uh, definitely an absolute. Somehow I'm thinking sure, if I am that guy, my wife's hoping I I come home looking like him too. Um, wow. Well, that's maybe something else we could touch on a more heartwarming <laughs> and sensitive show. <laughs> maybe we could touch on something like that. Nevertheless, folks. Um, yeah, definitely drop in there with us tomorrow and and uh, listen to us not only have this segment with Warren Sapp, but you know we're two you know semi brilliant guys. Uh, as well, so we're going to bring uh, a whole bunch for for you to listen to tomorrow. So you definitely want to tune in. Uh, we'd like to thank you for listening to today's show. It certainly was a pleasure doing it. I like doing these all college football Monday shows, Emil. I mean, yeah, giving I like us so much material. Too. We didn't even hit everything. No, you can't. There's too much. We'll hit on some of yeah. it with him. Believe me. Oh yeah, we'll 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 get into some of it, and I'm sure he will give us his usual great insight. So, again, thank you for listening to today's show. Certainly tune in tomorrow at uh, 10 a.m. as we do our Tuesday show. We talk NFL and we have the straight talk with Warren Sapp. Again, thank you for listening. If you love the Gridiron Stud Show, tell a friend. The more the merrier. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Enjoy the rest of your day. high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges, step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.